Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, Blazers fans. Welcome to the Blazer Focus Podcast. I am Aaron Fentress along with Andrew Thien, and we are days away from the start of training camp. I am blindsided. I knew it was coming, but I tried to like, like j- just like suppress it and pretend like it wasn't happening. And then it's just like a, a freight train. It just came around the mountain and just smacked me in the face. Monday, I will be at the Moto Center for Media Day. Neil O'Shea will speak, Chauncey Billups will speak, and select players, which I'm sure will include Dame and CJ. Um, do you have your season tickets, Andrew? Are you ready for the season? <laughs> you know, I was just talking to our colleague, uh, Jayathi Ramakrishnan, earlier today. I think, like, who's a big NBA head as well. I think I'll be comfortable going in maybe, like, February, March, something like that. But I'll be watching on my couch, I think, in the meantime. <laughs> and uh, I- I'm very excited. Fall is here. Football is back. You know, basketball is about to get started. This is, for me, it's, like, the most exciting time of the year. I'm with you, man. It definitely is. Um, you know, as far as going to the games, you know, I, I think people are going to have to think about this a little bit, you know, because just, well, for me, just because of the Delta variant. Wait, is it Delta variant? Is yeah, right? Delta variant. <laughs> that's the one we know like, of right now, at least. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I said Delta, and I thought, wait, that's <laughs> is that right? Anyway, um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think fans are going to go. I think vaccinated fans are just going to go and just be like, we've missed NBA. People were clamoring for it last spring, so we'll see how that works out. But I have some season ticket partners who were like, yeah, we're not sure what we want to do. You know, even anyway. just even just saying it, Aaron, saying February, March, I'm already now that you just started talking about thinking in my mind, okay, who, who am I kidding? Maybe December sounds pretty good or November. Yeah, December, yeah. November. That, that game was looking pretty good. Uh, yeah, anyway, so we'll see what happens there, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about my five points of emphasis for this Blazers training camp. These are the five things I will be looking out for the most and that I have a hunch that the Blazers, well, I don't have a hunch. I mean, they've talked about these things all summer. Um, so I just sort of ranked them in my own little order, uh, mm-hmm. just to sort of, this is like an exercise to try and get my mind wrapped <laughs> around the fact that this is, this marathon is about to start very, very quickly. And I, it took me a while too. I was sitting there going, uh, uh, Nurkic <laughs> and I guess the defense. Anyway. All right. So number five, sorting out the bench situation with the guards. Now, 
Anthony Simons, as someone said to me, if Anthony Simons gets beaten out by any of these guys, that's on Simons, right? Well, they brought in Quinn Cook. They brought in Dennis Smith Jr. They brought in Ben McLemore. So they brought in some – and all of them can shoot. Like Cook right. is a career 40% shooter. Actually, Smith is not much of a shooter. He he, he looked like he was going to be, but he fell off. He's really athletic though. Um, but but Cook and McLemore can light it up. And then they brought in um, Snell at small forward who can light it up. Simons can light it up. Like mm-hmm. there's so many guys on this team. There's probably eight guys on this team who have the potential to shoot 40% from three. Uh, so that to me is going to be interesting. I My hunch is that – well, Macklemore is going to make it. Right. I think Cook is going to challenge Patterson a Ford and Marquise Chris a Ford. I kind of think one of the Fords might make the team, but it's going to be interesting just to sort of see how things pan out with the guard position because your two best players, actually three or four best players are guards mm-hmm. and one Norman Powell's being made to play small forward. But anyway, uh, what's your take on, on this crew and, and then bringing in all these guys who other than Smith can shoot lights out? Yeah, I was I was kind of surprised, honestly, that Quinn Cook was out there and available. I guess I haven't really tracked him and time gets away from you. But I remember him playing pretty well, shooting, like you said, lights out for the Warriors. So but when I see those names, I mean, where's the defensive capabilities Right. <laughs> Do any of them play play a lick of defense? I'm kind of um, I, I'm a little interested in whether that plays into this at all, because Anthony Simons, I mean, he, he showed flashes last year for the first time of, in the most consistent minutes he's gotten of, of his career. But also um, just in terms of actually having some moments where you you thought, OK, this guy is figuring it out. So I wouldn't put him on the same level as those guys but um i guess you know when you think of what it takes to be a really good defender in the league uh, incredible athletic ability helps does dennis smith jr have something in him that maybe he can uh bring it on that side of the ball i don't know this is kind of a a big chance for him to prove that he belongs so i'd be kind of curious if he plays well in training camp yeah, Simons on 538 had one of the worst defensive ratings in the league last season. And for much of the year, when I would go look at the top 300, um, he would be 300, 39th. Mm, um, brutal. But what's funny though is that he did, when CJ came back and they went and got Powell, Simons disappeared from the rotation. Like he literally did got some DNPs or maybe played just a few minutes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he was back in the mix and became part of the regular eight going into the playoffs. And Stott said the main reason was because his defense turned the corner. So, you know, maybe he, he obviously, I mean, not that Stott has a high bar for defense. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think Stott's really liked his 42% three point shooting, maybe more. Uh, but he, supposedly he had turned the corner yeah. on defense. And, uh, so maybe that will continue into this season. I, I saw a lot of videos and stills of him, you know, working out in the weight room, trying to add some strength. And that's always been one of the, his problems is that he's so slight. He was so young. He was just a, a smallish guy. And if he's, you know, if he put on five or seven pounds of muscle and got stronger, increased his bench, you know, mm-hmm. um, then maybe he'll be even, even better a defender this year. As far as the rest of the dudes, I, I looked and then looked them up since you brought it up. Quinn Cook last year, 104 defensive rating, mm-hmm. 105 the year before, 102, 102. Like his worst was 18, 19. He was 112. But the last, uh, actually, I take that back. Sorry. Last season, he was 104 total, 105 with Cleveland, 102 with the Lakers. So it was all in one year. And then 102 the previous year, which that's the Lakers. So his last two seasons, he's 
been better than everyone on the Blazers roster <laughs> with his defensive rating. <laughs> Man, so that that shows what I know. Um, you know, in my mind, he was still a warrior, but that was like three years ago. Um, that's embarrassing. Well, I guess uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's been bouncing around, man. <laughs> the thing that, you know, I, I'm glad you mentioned Simon's apparently turning a corner because, you know, I remember when he was a, a rookie, you know, thinking, well, you know, he kind of seemed a little like he was a little frisky on that side of the ball and maybe he had some potential. And then somewhere along the line, you know, when you get buried on that depth chart and maybe you lost some confidence, that kind of went away. So, um, you know, long arms, really good athlete. Maybe he uh, has taken a st- those strides in the off season. Um, you know, obviously we know that he's proven he can shoot the shoot the ball extremely well. So ideally, as as is evident by his uh, you know teammate and and uh, mentor, you know Damian Lillard has shown you can add different skills during the off season. So maybe he was working on that. Yeah, and and also you know, there's the the factor that when you're young. You might try <laughs> really, really hard, but you often are getting manipulated by more mature players who are going to use your, like yeah. you said, friskiness against you. Um, but yeah, it, it was just interesting last year that Stotts made, made a point of emphasis to be like, dude's playing defense. So I'm put him on the court. I looked up Dennis Smith for you here. Oof, His defensive rating. Uh, not as bad. I mean, 108 huh? last year, one, then 112, we'll go back to 107, 108, 107. So he's been, Solid, you know, he's an athletic guy. So I, you know, if he tries, I imagine he can be solid. So at least he, but man, his shooting is just, I just really don't know how they keep a guy yeah. who can't stroke the three as a six one guard, like a six two guard. It just doesn't make sense to me that that would be high on their list of things to do. We have so many other guys who can shoot it. Yeah. You mentioned Patrick Patterson, um, which, you know, I, I, I would tend to think, uh, you know, when I saw that he was going to be part of this whole crew, I, I went, ooh, because he's he's been a guy that, you know, I've always watched and just thought was solid. Right. I mean, he, he's a he's right. a great shooter for a guy his size. Um, you know, he doesn't really have any tremendous negatives as far as I can tell. And if you're looking for, uh, you know, again, a team that really is going to need competent solid players from it's when we're talking about a ninth tenth guys for a team that wants to compete you know i i think having that commodity versus a taking a flyer that um some of the, these other players who haven't really panned out whether it's uh we talked about him last time marquis chris which you you seem to be a little bit higher on than than i am whether he puts it together or um but you know patrick patterson hey why not yeah, no, I, I like I like his chances too. Along with Chris, I just think they I do think they need a forward more than another guard. So I I, I kind of think one of those two, Chris or him, will make it. Chris Chris was doing some pretty nice things in Golden State, but you know I I just looked at the stats and called up a couple highlight reels and thought, eh, I'll go with that guy. So I'm not <laughs> I'm not at all trying to pretend like uh, Patterson couldn't be the guy. So so we'll see. All right, so moving along from that one, that that topic. Um, Next on my list is figuring out the best ways to use Powell and making him Norman Powell and make him, him more of a focal point with, within the offense, which is a little tricky because you have Nurkic, who we'll get to later, who wants to be a bigger part of the offense. And you still have the two ball dominant scoring dynamos of, of Dame and CJ, who had 
eventful summers. Dane got married, released an album, did five videos for that album, something like that. And CJ's just announced that he and his wife are going to have a baby. But um, I've He's also really, buying, starting a winery, too. And he's starting a winery. 100 acres you know of what? grapes. These, these guys would go 20 and 62. They've been way too busy this season. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but no, I, I'm really, I'm really intrigued by Powell because of his ability to take people off the dribble, pull up and shoot from anywhere, create his own shot. And he's unselfish. He'll give up the ball when it, you know, when defenses collapse on him in any way, shape or form. And he can shoot it. He was killing it from three in Toronto. He struggled a little bit in Portland, said that he was just trying to get acclimated to the system and playing with these guys and then also playing with, you know, two, you know, ball dominant guards. But now he's had the off season to, to work out with these guys coming into the season with a new coach, a new focus. Um, and, have a whole a real training camp uh, to work with these guys. So I'm really fascinated to see what he brings to the court and what they do with him. Couldn't agree more. I mean, he's uh, talk about a guy who's been loved, right? I mean, think of all the ways they've wooed him by, you know, setting yeah. up his house and uh, <laughs> catering to his dogs and stuff that you've, you know, to, oh, to be loved as much as uh, the Blazers love Norm Powell from the moment he arrived. But right. um, I mean, this is, a, you know, he's not going to be a guy who's going to command the limelight, you know, um, on any given night, but he's going to, he's so critical, I think, to the ultimate ceiling of this team. And I think ultimately just finding ways to get the, their, the ball in his hand and get out. And I don't know if Chauncey's talked about this at all, but getting out and run seemed like that would be an option to get the ball in Norm's hand because he's probably the best in the open court uh, on this team. So, um, I, I'm very excited to, see what they have in store and what kind of offensive sets or, and whatnot. But ultimately I, I expect a lot of uh quick outlets to Norman Powell. I mean, if he can just like, when you look at his numbers and how they dipped when he came to Portland, he, he took 13.5 shots per game for Toronto and averaged 19.6 points. He comes to Portland, takes 13 shots per game, just half a shot less. And his points dropped 2.6 points. Per game. So it's like if, if he just gets to the comfort level that he had in Toronto and his numbers just stabilize back to who he normally is, then right away he's going to be bringing a couple more points to the game without even getting more opportunities. But I see him getting more opportunities and better opportunities with how Billups wants to do things. I mean, there's, there's no reason why he can't be the true, a true third 20 point scorer on this team without stretching really the, the shots any more than they already stressed because he he's so efficient when he's on. Yeah. And just the, the playing off of Nurk, um, I think is going to be key. Those guys seem to have a good chemistry together. Um, you know, and, and Nurkic, as we know, loves to find players when they're moving. Um, yeah. and well, when Nurkic is healthy and on the floor. Um, so getting <laughs> those guys, hopefully, you know, if you're talking 65 plus games with them together, that's going to be, a, I think, a, a pretty fun duo to watch, not just for Portland fans, but for fans of basketball, because those guys, uh, kind of, uh, the highlight play is in the offing, I think, when you got those two guys together. Right. And the other thing about him, too, is, you know, Damien is obviously is not afraid to penetrate and take it to the basket, but he tends to do it more often when there's a clear, obvious lane to make the clear, obvious layup. <laughs> like he's not going in there and trying to dunk on people or make acrobatic plays. And it's, he shouldn't. Like, why take all that contact? Right. Um, he, I mean, he does draw fouls. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to get texted. You don't know what you're talking about. I mean, my point is, though, is that Powell 
wants to attack the basket. Like he, he just, he, he loves to be that guy yeah. to go to the rim. He has that, that long reach. And, and with the way they were playing with jacking up all these threes, like Bill said, they weren't, there was no emphasis on taking the ball really to the basket, which I, one of the things I think that's going to help Simons this year is that Stotts really basically told Simons, you are killing it from three, from the three. Keep shooting the three. That's what I want you to do. And mm-hmm. so he rarely took the ball to the basket, but he's so quick and so athletic. He's difficult to stop. Same with Powell, who's more of a grown man. CJ's not a guy who really is going to take it to the basket. He'll take it and get his, his mid, mid range jumper or the midi, as he calls it, which I think is hilarious <laughs> when he says it. I, I like, <laughs> I like hearing him say that. It's something when he first said, it, I was like, Oh, that's cool. But, um, you know, and Covington's not a guy who's taking it to the basket. Nance, ne- not necessarily, especially off the dribble like that. So Powell is going to be, they're going to be putting in, play specifically to give Powell a chance to attack with his athleticism. I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, ultimately, um, one of the, you know, obviously the playoff series, there's some bad taste in the mouth all around, but, uh, you know, there are a lot of open corner threes that Norman Powell Mm -hmm. would have loved to have back. So, um, (laughs) you know, which is, you know, when that team was really rolling offensively, those are going to be there for him. Um, so they're going to be there for him again this year. So beyond the, the catch and slash, um, and taking it to the rack. Oh man, some, some wide open threes. Hopefully, uh, um, we'll start falling. You are listening to the Blazer Focus podcast. We'll be right back after a short break. Number three on my list here, if I can get it called back up here. Okay. How to better integrate Nurkic within the offense. So at the end of the season when they lost to Denver, he put on his sad face and talked about, I don't know if I want to be back. I want to be used differently, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that more than anything, like when he was talking that way, I was really thinking, yeah, Stotts is in trouble. Um, there was just a weird vibe after that game that, you know, the way Dame talked as well. But when Nurk was, was saying that, it just made me feel like, yeah, he's really unhappy and everyone's unhappy and there was been all this talk anyway. But he had a point. Like, he had a point to a, de- to a degree. One, you got to stay on the court. Like you, ha- you have to be healthy. You got to be in shape. You got to stay on the court. You got to be in foul trouble to expect the offense to be flowing through you more often, as far as I'm concerned. But Chauncey Billups has talked, or talked to me about Definitely trying to take more advantage of Nurkic's passing ability. And one of the things that bugged Nurk is he felt like I'm just out there to set screens for Damien and wait for people to jack up threes and go get the rebound. He wants to be more involved in the offense. How much would you like to see that play out? Uh, yeah, as we were just talking about with the, the norm piece, I mean, I think that that's critical. And I, I don't think that, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of big guys and especially, you know, in my era growing up in the nineties, there was, you got to feed the, feed the beast and the back to the basket and they got to get their little, uh, you know, um, drop steps and and little jump hooks. But I don't think that's what he's talking about. Um, I mean, sure. He, he wants some more touches that are just, you know, everyone standing around and watching Nurk take advantage of whoever happens to be guarding him because he is seven feet tall and 300. Right. Pounds. But I mean, this is a guy who really, <laughs> I think he, he, you can kind of see it in his eye. He loves making those passes. He loves being more involved, um, in beyond just setting those picks, which, you know, um, 
I think that's just common sense. We need to see more of that. But as you alluded to, it's that's on him too. And, and he, he's got to be healthy. He's got to be on the court, um, yada, yada. But, um, you know, having a more involved Nurkic, having more touches doesn't mean necessarily more shots, which he's going to shoot more, I think this year, obviously, and he should, but I mean, it's just a matter of moving the rock around, which, uh, Chauncey said is going to be key to their success. Cause this is a team that's been, towards the bottom of the league, as we've discussed in assists, uh, many years in a row. Um, I don't have it off the top of my head, but it's always one of the lowest assists per game. They were last, in the last league. year. Yeah. 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 So, and that's a product of having two just unbelievable offensive guards who can get their own shot without help. But, um, you know, as, as we've seen, maybe there's a different way to do it. Exactly. So Nurk went from 13.6 shot attempts at the bubble when he returned two seasons ago and 11.5 the year before, 12 and 11.8 to nine last year. Now his minutes dropped though. So his minutes dropped dramatically from the bubble from 31.6 to 23.8. Of course his points went down, but his shooting percentage actually was up. So he was shooting better, but getting fewer shots. And he, and he was, his overall shooting percentage was elevated, even though he actually started shooting some threes. His three points percentage ended up being 40. And I don't think he's necessarily going to be that. If he were to be that, even on one and a half a game, oh my God, now you have a, <laughs> you have a baby Jokic, right? Yeah. 11.5 points, nine rebounds, 3.4 assists and 23.8 minutes. If he's playing 32 minutes, he's going to give you 18, 10 and five, man. And that, if you can get that from him all season long for 65 evening to 65 games. Then the Blazers are going to win 50 plus games and be a top three seed. I'll call it right now. He has to stay healthy. I think, I think he's definitely going to be motivated because he's in what? A contract <laughs> year. He wants to get paid, man. He wants to go out there and average 18, 10 and five. Cause if he does that, he's going to get a hundred million dollar deal, at least a $90 million deal like Powell did. So I'm very interested to see what happens with him and how they work to get him more involved in the offense. And we talked about, you know, feeling the love like uh, Norman Powell felt the love. But Nurkic kind of needs that love in a way that Powell doesn't, oh God, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so by all accounts, a kind of a, a needy guy, um, which, you know, <laughs> hey, you know, I love how he, he was wearing the two-face um, suit <laughs> at that playoff game where uh, where they were ultimately ousted the two different colors and kind of mirrored the maybe two different Nurkic's that you, that you get. So, um, yeah, but by all accounts, you know, everyone seems to be, uh, you know, saying that he's got the right mindset and he's putting in the work. So now it's just, we'll see. Hopefully he's healthy. Okay. Number two, and this falls in line with a little bit of what we talked about with Nurkic and pal reigning in the three point mindset. Stop jacking up threes early in the shot clock. Stop shooting step back threes and difficult threes and move the ball, pass the ball. This is going to be one of Chauncey Billups' biggest points of emphasis. Now, we all know the Blazers are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. They're one of the best offenses in the league. But there were some complaints from some fans and some other people that the the overall uh, style of play wouldn't work in the playoffs. Uh, because teams would just deny the three and the Blazers wouldn't be equipped to create other shots and do other things. And this is what Billups talked to me about as well. Um, 
One, I want to ask you, how did you feel about the three-point bonanza last season with you, 40.8 per game? And are you looking forward to, to tweaking that a bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I felt uh, it felt at times like um, too much, uh, <laughs> to, to say the least. I mean, there are games where, um, you know, I, I can't think of a specific instance, but there are a few games down the stretch run where, you know, if I know it's a make them or miss them league, but but sometimes it it uh, I, let's just be honest when you, when you're missing them is when you're upset. I mean, when they're going down, you're not as yeah. When you're going as in, upset. who cares? Right? <laughs> who cares? But um, no, I, I I mean, I think for all the reasons we already talked about, when you got players like Yusuf Nurkic and Norman Powell who have variety to their game, I mean, CJ, um, you know, boosted his points per game last year by you know shooting more threes, which I think is a good thing so it's it but it's good this is it's going to be a a true trust it's going to be a true test for this first year coach to try to do all of these things and keep all these uh these players happy because uh ultimately the what's really going to matter is if this is a, a winning formula um we had to just go back to the playoffs where you know dame had to go god mode and made however many threes against denver um and they still lost despite you know all these shots that that he was putting up you know if you're that was because of my number one issue which we'll get to in a minute yeah exactly (laughs) because we're dancing around kind of the elephant in the room which was you know the elephant's uh, in the corner wait yeah yeah yeah, we'll, we'll get to it, but I mean, all we can talk about this stuff. Like offensively, these guys have proven they can, they can score in a basically however they want to. So I think spreading it around, they're all very smart players. I think it'll work, but it's going to come down to this last thing we're going to talk about. I think right. to see what so, really matters. <laughs> so here's some Blazers numbers real quick. Um, they were 29th in wide open threes which accounted for just 14.6% of their threes while shooting uh, 43.2% on weight. Yeah. Anyway, Utah led the NBA with 23.9% of its threes uh, being considered wide open, which is no defender within six feet. So when the Blazers... (laughs) Shot a three that was wide open. They shot forty three point two percent. That's good off the charts. Their <laughs> season average was right around thirty seven, thirty eight. So clearly, that's a situation where, of course, anyone would want more wide open threes. And one of the reasons Billups believes they can change that number, increase that percentage to be closer to where Utah is, where twenty four percent of their threes were considered wide open is by moving the ball more, passing yeah. it. Don't just take the early three. And I, I, someone was talking bad about Anthony Simons the other day, and I got really, really territorial because that's my dude. I love that guy. <laughs> He's going to be really, really good when he gets a shot. So I went to his highlight reel, and I was going to pick out all the clips where he took it to the basket or shot a midi or whatever, right? And you had to go through like six threes, and then there'd be drive the basket, seven more threes, and then there, because that's what he was told to do. Right. And it was one of the things Gary Trent used to do too. Those guys, if there was any just glimpse that they could get off the three, it was going up. It didn't care where the guy was guarding him. And Dame's the same way sometimes. And that's what Chauncey Bills wants to change. Now, the Blazers led the NBA in tightly contested three point attempts, which is within two to four feet. (laughs) 
Um, 9% of their threes were of that variety and they made 34.1. So there shows the disparity between contested versus wide open. Now, what's fascinating though is that they actually led the NBA in open threes. (laughs) So this team was the worst at taking contested threes, the worst at taking wide open, but the best at open. <laughs> and open Which is, is just, somewhere in between. So open, yeah, open, open is uh, within uh, four feet or four to six, sorry, four to six, and then no defender within six. Yeah. So yeah. four to six is, which, I mean, that's, you know. So it's like the porridge so it, is it, not too hot or not too cold. It's just exactly. right type of thing. And in and, and the NBA, too, four to six feet, like these guys can all leap four yeah. to six feet without in a single bound, right? So this it's still but I just when I saw that, I was just like, that's just bizarre. But anyway, they were twenty eighth in drive points, which goes back to the Powell thing, driving to the basket, twentieth in twenty point game, twenty excuse me, twenty point four points per game were just off the drive compared to the league leader like San Antonio at thirty one points. And then they ranked 26th in catch and shoot points compared to the Clippers who led the NBA where Billups, uh, coach. So that's where you're, you're setting someone up for the catch and the shoot. And of course they were last in assists at 21. So these are all the things they want that Chauncey Billups wants to fix. And he believes ball movement and not settling for just jacking up the three because you can is going to help. Yeah. Uh, it all sounds good. So now, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, I they mean, also you- let- Go ahead, sorry. No, you talk about the the Utah and the San Antonio um, comparisons where, you know, they don't have talent that's dramatically different in terms of the ability to put the ball on the floor or just move the ball around, right? I mean, Mike Conley's always hurt. Uh, Joe Ingles handles the ball a lot, but, you know, Donovan Mitchell, obviously, um, he's the creator, but you don't think of... <laughs> you don't think of uh oh what's his name the six man um Clarkson Clarkson you don't think of Jordan Clarkson as as being a facilitator either so it's really something that you look at it, Portland's personnel and they have a lot of guys who who can create and they have guys who you know are willing passers in theory you you should be able to get more of those wide open threes that that you uh talked about yeah, and I don't feel like this is like a selfish team. Like we're not trying to get no. Allen Iverson to give up the ball. No offense, to Allen Iverson, but Allen Iverson loved to shoot the rock. Like I think, I think Lillard, and I've, I remember having just massive debates about this at uh, a place I worked before, NBC Sports Northwest, <laughs> where we talked about, and I'd be like, Dame is a shoot first point guard, and people would actually argue with me about, he averages six assists. He needs to be averaging nine. Like to me, to me, they're a better team if he's twenty five and nine or ten as opposed to 29 and six or seven, like give up the rock a little bit. And I think he he would do that. But when you're easily the best player on your team yeah. and your three-point shot developed the way it did the last three years and the the rim just looks so juicy, you're going to take those. And, and your coach, Terry Stotts, wants to shoot more threes. He's not going to re- rein that in. I think Billups will rein that in a little bit so that that will help these numbers all improve in these areas. And you could be talking about literally just three let, – like, let's say you just got – you took three of the contested threes per game and you flip them into wide open threes, right? And you make one or two of those per game. That's three mm-hmm. to six points different per game. And you fix your defense. Like you're talking about creating that point differential. That's just going to lead to more wins. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, that's the formula. And I think, you know, Damian Lillard has a super max contract. <laughs> he doesn't have anything else <laughs> to prove. Um, and I think, you know, 
you hit on his uh his development i think a lot of it hinged on after the the west batum lamarcus team broke up i mean i mean there's a lot of responsibility on his shoulders for many years and i think he also didn't have the trust in teammates a lot um that they that they were a better option uh if you move the ball three or four extra times per game um but when when you're moving it to you know norman powell um or to you know maybe a healthy and and motivated and and fit use of nurkic um and then obviously your wingman and cj um Hopefully he's uh, a little more willing on that end, but they also have to take advantage of those opportunities and then those assist totals will rise. Right, exactly. And one of the reasons, you know, they brought in McLemore and Snell, uh, Billups said, was that those guys are willing to play D and they can stroke it, especially when they're open. They're not Mm -hmm. necessarily as great as maybe Dame is at, at shooting over someone or, or getting step back, right? But if you're playing a system where you're creating more open looks and you have a you have bench guys who are willing to play decent defense and they're going to stick that three when they're open, especially from the corner where Billets wants to increase, increase three-point shots, then those guys are going to be extremely valuable. So when people were laughing at it and mocking it and blah, blah, like it's, it's the, more about the fit in terms of what they want to do than it is about how great they are individually. Because yeah. Snell shot 55% from three-point range last year. He only took 100. But if that's your your backup three coming off the bench and waiting for the kickback from Lillard or, or Powell or somewhere, or, or you know Nurkic kicking it out to him or whatever, and he's going to shoot 50% or even 45, that's a huge asset uh, given what you want to do offensively. Yeah. I mean, any Blazer fan, I think, will recall. It, it surely seems like Tony Snell is one of those guys like the, the Bino Udrit school of blazer killers where just whenever he played the blazers man even if he wasn't hitting shots i just felt like he made life impossible um i don't know he's got deceptively long arms but uh yeah there's uh lots to look forward to but let's get to your last one yes let's do because none of this will matter they still go out there and play garbage defense so i have the link together billups needs to get damon cj completely bought in on defense and change the entire defensive mindset of the team. Um, Stotts basically lost his job, and Neil Olshay put it out there as plainly as I've ever seen a GM put out anything regarding a coach being fired, that the defense wasn't good enough. He yeah. went out and got Covington and Derrick Jones Jr. to improve the defense. They were 29th. He didn't care that CJ missed games, and CJ actually had the best defensive rating of all the guards on the team. Actually, <laughs> he was one of the top three on the team, period. And that Nurkic was out. They were ranked down there with teams that were not even really trying to win. <laughs> Orlando, Cleveland, you know, Minnesota was down there, and it was just unacceptable. And part of it was the mindset of the team. And part of that is on Damon CJ, which I think they've kind of admitted, and they've said they're going to buy in. And they they want Billups to hold them accountable, but that is a number one thing, and it's going to start during training camp when someone in training camp is missing a rotation and not doing what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Billups, I believe, is going to come down on them because he wants to change. It's it's a mindset. It's it's a culture. You have to change it to where. And Powell talked about this at Toronto. They had a culture of defense. Portland, eh, not so much. So that's going to fall on Billups, and it starts with Dame and CJ. Yeah, he's talked about playing team defense, right? Which makes me think of, uh, you know, <laughs> AAU basketball. And it's like, everyone, uh, uh, you know, make sure you're responding like and you got your arms, arms out, passing lanes. I mean, it's it seems like <laughs> elemental stuff, right? But like, I mean, 
these guys, they have to know what is needed of them. Um, you know, they're very, very smart guys, but it's at some point it comes down to a capability, <laughs> uh, more than anything else. Um, cause I don't know schematically, you know, other than having a, a healthy u- use of Nurkic back there, what kind of tweaks we're talking about. Um, but, you know, it's maybe effort. he's, it's, it seems like it's effort and, um, you know, you don't, you don't get to be a 30 year old, uh, NBA player who's been playing basketball your whole life and not know, you know, how to, how to play defense. It's, it's a hard position playing, uh, guard in the NBA, playing, um, point guard, guarding point guards. Obviously it's very hard. Uh, it's very taxing, especially when you carry a heavy load on the other end, but, um, you know, maybe some of the stuff we just talked about previously, take some of the l- load off offensively and they can crank it up a little bit defensively. Cause I mean, that's what it's going to have to take. I mean, these guys are going to have to be there to, to help out the big fella down low. Cause if, if they're not providing any resistance up front, then it's really, then you're getting into a, a, a series of dominoes where it, it's not going to, it's not going to be good for Nurk or for foul trouble or for anything. Well, based on my conversations with, with Bills, the part of the plan is they brought in some guards who can shoot. Um, they want to take some pressure off of Lillard. And we're not talking about him going from 28 points a game to 22, but it, it might fall a little bit or it, the, the scoring totals might not come down, but maybe the shots come down and the minutes yeah. just a little bit, just a little bit, but his efficiency goes up because he's not taking as many bad threes, right? He's getting better threes because of the ball movement. Um, but then he can expend more energy on defense. And, and Bill said, like, look, I don't, you know, they, those two did so much, Damon CJ, that mm-hmm. they knew if they picked up two fouls in the first quarter because they were being aggressive, then now they're going to come out. Well, now he's saying, well, we don't want that to happen. But if that does happen, they believe they have some veteran guards and then the, the evolution of Simons to go in there and eat up some minutes and, and take some pressure off those guys so they can devote more energy to the defensive side. Now, here's what's funny about this whole defensive rating thing that, that people love to talk about. So the Blazers ranked 29th. Their defensive rating was 116.6 points per 100 possessions. The Suns ranked 10th at 112.1. So you're talking about 4.4 points per 100 possessions. That's literally... Two baskets or a three and a free throw. It's not that huge of a leap. So if, but if you just give better overall effort and you can test a little bit more and you're in a guy's face a little bit more and you, you're more disruptive and you force maybe one more turnover or one more deflected pass, you can easily go from 116 to 112 in 100 possessions easily. Like it, it wouldn't be that difficult just on effort alone. So if Chauncey Billups is serious and Dame is serious and Chauncey said, we're going to find out who really wants to win. And he meant, he meant Dame. He meant CJ. Do you guys really want to win or you just want to win? If you really want to win, you're going to play some damn defense and we're going to be a better defensive team, not just, you know, when it counts in the last two minutes, but the entire game. So that maybe with four minutes to go, we're not down four, we're up four. And so it's, it's just going to be, I think it's going to be fun to watch to see what happens because if they're still sucking on defense, everyone to me is going to be all over Chauncey, all over Dame. Like, just like, okay. You complain this summer that you want to you want to see the urgency to contend. Well, yeah. you, you have to display the urgency to play defense. Yeah, no, I, I think everything you said just is spot on. Um, 
and you know dame has shown flashes of being especially in the post he's 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 not a horrific defender but i mean that's not a situation that that comes his way he can dig up one-on-one when he wants to on guys he's athletic enough and he's smart enough he's strong yeah it's but it's, it's the it's the totality of the entire you know, game and possessions. How many times he's just not getting over to somebody and let him shoot the three and they drain it. You know, that's the problem. Yeah. And that's something that, uh, Blazer fans are all too accustomed to right. <laughs> in the back yeah. past few years. But, um, I mean, yeah, we're going to next, next week, uh, at, at, uh, media day, you're going to hear a lot of, uh, you know, company, company lines, right? I mean, it's kind of the, the put your best foot forward, uh, in terms of message. And I'm sure that's going to be, um, top of mind, obviously from, from Billups, but also, uh, from Damon CJ in terms of yeah. the defensive effort. And I think it's going to happen. Like when you bring in a guy like Billups, who's going to command, um, respect, given that he's a player who won a point guard and play defense. Um, yeah. Uh, won a championship, sorry, and play defense. The, uh, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's going to happen. I think the mindset will change. Um, anyway, that's my, that's my list of five. But before we jet, Let's get to the today's hot button issue. <laughs> ben Simmons, according to Stephen A. Smith, uh, it, well, there's a report out that Ben Simmons has told the Sixers that he's not reporting to training camp. No way, no how. Trade him or else he's prepared to sit the season and give up $33 million. I, someone asked me, would I do that? I'm like, no. I'm showing up to training camp. I'm just going to have a lot of nagging injuries. It's going to be a toe one day, then a calf, then an ankle, then a shoulder, then my shin bone, and then whatever's connected to the shin bone. Like, cause I'm getting my 33 million. I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not lighting 33 million on fire. I can sit in the cold tub and get my 33 million. But Stephen A. Smith came out and said that the Blazers have put on the table CJ McCollum, Robert Covington, and two first round picks for Ben Simmons. Now, there's some salary issues there. So there would probably have to be another player that would come back because CJ and Covington make a combined 42 million and Simmons, excuse me, is about 33. Um, I'm not sure if their trade exception could be thrown in there or whatever. But anyway, uh, that's all nuts and bolts for them to figure out later. The principal players are CJ Covington picks for Ben Simmons. I ask you, lover of the Blazers, would you do that deal? Oh man, that seems like a lot at face value. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I guess I could easily feel differently about that if, uh, that other asset from the Sixers is Matisse Teibel, but, um, I don't think that's, uh, in the offing, but, uh, I, you know, that, that's interesting. I can't help but think that the Sixers camp must have put that out because what, what incentive would the Blazers have to, um, put that on the table when, um, you've got a situation in Philly where they don't have a lot of leverage right now. <laughs> you know, they are really, um, they're kind of at Ben Simmons and, and clutch sports is, uh, mercy, mercy. <laughs> <laughs> so um the situation that that we've talked about previously where the fan brain is starting to creep in a little bit where it's like cj mccollum has been such a part of uh my rooting interest and in, and in fandom for so long uh that it's hard to tamp that down um but if a cj for ben thing you know i, I still think that's the the 
deal that makes the most sense. And, uh, you know, if, if CJ does go away, um, he'll always have roots here and he'll have this, this winery that we, we can all talk about this, uh, <laughs> some years in the future once the vines mature, uh, which takes time. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think CJ McCollum is going to go nuts this season. Like he was killing it last year before he got hurt. I think he's going to benefit a lot from the new mindset on offense, moving the ball around. I think it's going to result in a lot of good open looks for him and he's going to deliver. He's going to deliver a big season. If I'm, if I'm Philly, I want him because he's going to, he can create his own shot. You put him with Embiid. I think you're going to be pretty good with Tobias Harris as well. Uh, I do think it's a lot for Portland to give up. I would rather do CJ in the picks, not McCollum, but to be honest with you, the picks, dude, pe- people, when they get all up in arms about late first round draft picks, it just makes me chuckle. It's like, just go, go on basketball reference and look at the last 10 NBA drafts picks 10 through 30 and tell oh, me how sure. many of those guys are any good. It's like the 10% hit rate, literally. It's, it's, there's just not that many good players in that range. That's why teams will give up those picks because if you get Ben Simmons and you keep Damian healthy, he's going to be here. Those picks are going to be in the twenties. So the picks are worthless to me. Covington thing, I think would hurt a little bit, but he has one year remaining on his deal. Are you really going to bring him back? Whereas Ben Simmons is 25. And let's say, here's the other thing. Let's say Dame isn't happy next summer, regardless of what happens. He wants out. Now you have Ben Simmons you can build around with Anthony Simons and then whatever haul you get uh, for Lillard. And you wouldn't bring back Covington anyway. So for me, if that, if that, they draw a line in the sand, I'm doing it and I'm starting Damian Lillard. Norman Powell moves to the two, Ben Simmons, uh, Nance, and, and Nurkic. I'm good. And I'm rolling with that. And I think they win 50 plus games. And I think their defense is going to be close to elite probably. And they're going to be really good. <sighs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I guess, you know, maybe take solace in the fact that Nasir Little isn't part of that. Maybe. I don't know for contract reasons, probably more than anything else, but, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's hard when you're talking about a top 10 score in your franchise history. Um, and another you're too star. emotional. You're no, too and, emotional, and, I know. Man. And, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing that we don't, here's the thing, man. I mean, I, what is, is Ben Simmons going to bring it? I hope so. Well, Okay. Great, perfect question. But my thing is, I still believe, and I've said this numerous times on this podcast, Damian Lillard, if Damian Lillard and Chauncey Billups can't get him to grow up, nobody can. And that, you definitely have a conversation. Like Damian and Chauncey in a three-way, get him on the phone and be like, look, dude, we think you can come here and make a difference, but you have to work and you have to be on board and change your mentality to a winner's mentality. Are you capable of doing that? And if he says, nah, dog, I'm cool, then you don't make the deal. Like, it's that simple to me. But if he says, yeah, man, I want to come there and be a part of what you're doing. I'm ready to take the next step and follow your leadership. Then you make that deal just as soon as you can. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's the rub. And we, you know, those are conversations that if they're happening, we're not going to be able to to dial into the Zoom machine and, and watch them <laughs> happen, unfortunately. But uh, no, no shortage of storylines, though. I mean, this is definitely a, um, you know, when a, a team that's been kind of uh, status quo, you know, with in terms of the key players for a long time and the coaching staff, um, you've got an interesting one to cover here uh, starting next week. Oh yeah, it will. It will definitely not be boring. All right, I think we've exhausted everything. You got anything else? No. We good. We're Looking good? forward to All it. Right. 
Okay, so next week we'll be back. Um, Media Day, as I said, is Monday. We'll have a podcast out either Monday or Tuesday. And the legend Joe Freeman is going to join me, I believe. So that'll be good. Talk to him again. He's had a, a very eventful, chilling summer. And now he's doing an assignment uh, that has kept him away from us. But we're going to get him back on Monday. Be sure to give us a nice rating and subscribe so you can always get us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll be back next week as we hit the ground running with training camp as we head to a very pivotal season in the history of the Blazers. What's Lillard going to do? What's Chauncey going to do? Oh, my. We'll see. 